0: To get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now, me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We really are Buzz, Buzz on, on Movies. movies. Woo! Wahaha! Wahaha! Um, well, welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzz On Movies. I'm Teddy. And I am Matt. And we're here once again to bring you the good tidings of what's going Rejoy. on in the cinema, yes. comfort, and joy. Some good tidings say. of comfort and joy. Yes, uh, this is our first episode of the new year. Um, we what's
1: is this season five, six, seven? I don't
0: even. Yeah, l- lost track of everything, you know. But we're here to to just tell you what we've been seeing over the the end of the of December and the beginning of January. Uh, there's been a lot going on, and so we're just going to keep it loose today and kind of just talk about what we've been seeing.
1: Woo, I'm excited. Um, happy new year!
0: Yeah, happy new year, everyone. Um, happy year three of the COVID 19 pandemic. Yeah, you know,
1: I, <laughs> I was gonna let that one go, but you did that. You did it. I huh? said it. Um, well,
0: the pandemic is still affecting movie theaters and um people going to theater so it's it's worth bringing up.
1: You're that. right, I just don't like it. Um what was the Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. You're right. It is still definitely a thing. It's definitely a thing. Um you know.
0: Just, it's just
1: a, set, a shitty reminder, but you know, here we are.
0: It's, it's interesting to see the the way the kind of effect that it's having though cuz Spider-Man had an incredible opening weekend and an incredible run so far still going strong at the box office
1: yeah i think Uh, when was our okay let let me backtrack a bit when was the last time we recorded not released an episode recorded
0: last time we recorded those are two separate questions right would have um, been around the 18th 19th of december so um
1: yeah spider-man so, was
0: out but yeah but a lot has happened since
1: then in my life And one of those things is that I've seen Spider-Man actually. Um, But I think that maybe, uh, I think that a lot of people probably aren't seeing movies, but that like their one exception was Spider-Man, you know? Right. They're Um, saving
0: it up. They're, they're making, they're like, oh, well, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go to like one movie a year or one movie, like every six months or whatever. And it's going to be the movie that I want to see most Um, for a lot of people Mm -hmm. that's Spider-Man. Spider Man,
1: um, you know, I won't blame anybody, I won't blame anybody. No, no, oh, but I gave it five stars on Letterboxd, so obviously, I think it's awesome. I love Spider Man, Spider Man's one of my favorites, but it's getting um, good
0: feedback, good reviews. Yeah, yeah. uh, um, I still need to see it, but. Like there've been so many other ones that I want to see. And then like Spider-Man, I'm like, I know that's going to stick around. I was going to say, so, yeah,
1: Spider-Man, you can, you can hold off. Cause you know, it's going to, it's going to have long legs. It's going to be yeah. in the theaters for there've a while. There've been two
0: different movies recently. I basically caught on their closing nights. So yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm scrambling to see the stuff that's getting pushed out.
1: Yeah, I kind of feel like I've done this thing now where I've seen just about everything that I can see that is still in theaters that I want to see. So I'm like back to being at the point where I don't have to like pick and choose as much anymore. I can just see anything I want. Uh, but there were like two weeks there right after the new year. I guess it is only two weeks after the new year. But these first two weeks, I've been sort of like, whoa, I've been so out of it. I have to like see three movies a week <laughs> and hope that I can keep up. Like, yeah. But now I'm like, oh, I can do two movies a week and be like more or less caught up, especially since a lot of things are now doing you know they're also probably going to be streaming on TV relative- on you know on home release relatively soon you know um, yeah
0: that happens a lot yeah it didn't um, used to
1: but now now it's like you know you know, like I could have seen the Ma- I could have not gone to see the Matrix resurrections in, in theaters. I am very glad I did, but I could that's have true. just stayed at yeah. home. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, um, and that's something I considered when I went to see it. I was like, I could just watch this at home, but also it's a matrix. And yeah, it's on, I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll cover well the Matrix the more screen.
1: in depth, but it it was worth seeing in theaters. So like I'm not mad I did that. But um Definitely <laughs> that's one thing we've both seen, so we can actually talk about that one, but um, you know, yeah, it, it, I do think that like right now it's sort of like there's less urgency. Like sometimes it's like, OK, I don't need to see that movie before it leaves theaters because it's like, does it really matter if I see it in theaters versus at home? The Matrix, maybe it does. And Spider-Man, it, it probably does. But there are some movies that are coming out where it's like, mm, I can just wait. Like, yeah, <laughs> that'll be at that'll be at home within a few weeks. And it'll be <laughs> fine. Um, um, yeah, so, you
0: know, yeah, that's true. Depends. Well, I was, you know, I was up in D.C. for uh, a good chunk of the a holidays. stretch of time, yeah, yeah. And it, like, I was like trying to prioritize like stuff to see there, and I was, I was thinking about seeing like the Macbeth movie, and then I realized, like, oh wait, that's actually available on streaming right now. It's not available okay. in theaters anywhere around here, but okay. that it is, is playing... something
1: I saw that in theaters. Um, and I funny love story to- about that i i was like i'm gonna see that in theaters and it was the i think it was the second movie i saw in theaters after the new year um and so like you know omicron is doing what it's doing and i'd already seen spider-man so i just want to preface this by saying i'd seen a very popular movie with like a much larger audience and i was texting my friend i was like i'm going to see the new Macbeth movie and i'm really excited and he was like are you sure you should be going to a movie theater right now with COVID the way it is? And I was like, (laughs) I'm going to see the fucking tragedy of Macbeth at like 4 PM on the upper West side. Like there will be no one there. It's going to be me and old people and theater gays. Like I think we're all and like, I think it's going to be fine. Like, and we all have to wear a mask because it's New York city. There's an indoor mask mandate. Like, like, so I, you know, I think it's me. Okay. And spoiler alert, it was totally fine, but it also was worth seeing on the big screen. It yeah. was like actually the the visuals were quite impressive and it it was like really really nice. So it was a
0: tough call for me because I like I could see like I saw the trailer, um, when when did I see the trailer for that? I think it was when I went to see Licorice Pizza, sure. and I was like, oh shit, like that looks so good. Yeah. But then also I was like, but it's available on streaming, and I really have to prioritize this. Right, because it's, it's on Apple not... TV, right? It's on yeah. Apple. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, uh, like whatever, like I. I, So I was trying. It's
1: also perfectly good to not to watch at home. I think, um, because the visuals aren't like it's not like Spider Man where it's like big sweeping cityscapes or anything like that, but it it just is like. I think the visuals are an important part of it, and so anytime right. I think that's true, I think it's worth seeing the It
0: screen, looks but, it looks absolutely yeah. gorgeous. People are like comparing it to like a German expressionist film. Yes. yeah, I, I think that definitely yeah. seems yeah. like that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that looks really cool. I'm excited to watch that. Uh, they were also showing "Don't Look Up," and I was like, mm. okay, I'm pretty sure I can watch that at home. That's definitely <laughs> can, it. can
1: just watch at home. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, uh, but I am Matt. I didn't get. I I meant to make it out to see Drive My Car, and yeah, I, I just I got flummoxed by the snowstorms that were going on while we were up there. Um, just just too too hard to make the trip out to DC for that one. But yeah. I did see while I was up in DC. I saw Liquor's Pizza and Nightmare Alley, and I saw Liquor's Pizza in 70 millimeter Ooh. at the AFI Silver Theater, which very cool. uh, is one of my favorite movie theaters, like a real old classic movie palace with like the big sweeping auditorium and the curtains around the screen. And they play films in pretty much every format available, including this one in 70 millimeter. So that was really cool. I was glad I got to do that. Nice. That's super cool. I'm jealous. I haven't seen
1: that one yet and I need to. Um, I want to see a licorice pizza. I want to
0: yeah yeah you should check it out i'm sure it's still playing around in new york
1: i think it is but we're sort of at that point where a lot of like a movie like that has really weird show times now like, yeah, yeah yeah so it's like like there are things that like like right now nightmare alley is still playing here technically but the show times are very strange it's at like 12 noon or at like 10 p.m on weeknights and you know
0: I work, so I can't yeah. do either of those things. You can do I, I always, that's like always a strange, I like, I get why they do it, but it's like, you might as well have it leave because like, who's going to those showtimes of a movie that's already been out for three weeks. And is it like in the middle of the day on a weekday
1: and like, was not a box office success.
0: Yeah. So it's like, just like, why not just get rid of it? But yeah. Okay. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I never managed a movie theater, but I did, you know, I worked saw that nobody went to those screenings so
1: i did uh, schedule show times for a while like i helped a manager for a while and we never did things like like that sort of like i, it's, I was about to compare it to like bowling a spare um <laughs> which is like sort of like it's just like why would you like like it's just like the most like polar opposite show times like you know and like it just doesn't like some movies maybe it works out like if it's a movie that you think like will have like appeal to like the older audience and the younger audience i don't know like there there are those rare movies um yeah but like you not can get like, like p- you're like working age. you know like not your like 20 30 something middle-aged yeah. people if you, if you think it's gonna draw on like the older crowd who comes in early and also the teens like that's one thing
0: that's the only like, thing it really works for is like the retiree crowd because they will yeah. come in the middle of the day Right, reliable amounts, and we did have some movies that had legs that would yeah, show. I, I, th- the I think the that, the, that the
1: noon showing isn't what bothers me on movies like that. It's like it's when it's a noon showing and then a ten p.m. I'm like, all right, well. Who are you
0: appealing to here? Oh, but I'll go to a 10 p.m. Like, that's But I
1: can't do that. Like, you can do that because it's not super far for you. For me to go to a 10 p.m., it's like an hour train after that. You know, it's like a 40-minute train ride home on the subway. It depends
0: where you are for the theater. Yeah. Um,
1: If If it were, like, at the theater across the street from me, that'd be a different story. That's different. I will do a 10 p.m. there on a weeknight. But I'm not. I'm not doing it on the Upper West Side. I'm not. I'm not doing that. That's yeah, a huge, no. massive headache to get. That
0: back makes here, so. sense. Yeah. But yeah. Um, anyway, scheduling conundrums aside, um, we. have uh, So yeah, I saw Liquors Pizza. That was great. I also saw Nightmare Alley while I was up there, uh, which was a weird circumstance because, like, I was checking the show times back here. I was like, oh shit, it's gonna be gone by the time I'm back. So I went and saw while I was up in DC and then I came back here and it was running here for another week. (laughs) Whoa. But uh, like, I guess that they, they decided to run it longer, but they, it's still like, so it was, they were running the last showing of it when I went to see the last showing of the matrix around here. (laughs) So it was like, I was like getting out of the matrix and I was like hearing the audio from like nightmare alley finishing up across the hall. I'm like, ah, yes, two great films going out at the same time nice nice um that's cool it's
1: good to be able to see movies before they leave theaters um Mm -hmm. before we delve into movies what are you drinking tonight we haven't discussed that that's supposed to be on the top
0: well um um, this this is gonna be a little boring but i did think that it would be slightly on theme with nightmare alley i am drinking bourbon on the rocks nice because that seems right i, I haven't seen it yet
1: i will i will admit but
0: i didn't have access to wood alcohol and i didn't feel like killing myself on the podcast tonight um mm-hmm. i thought I bourbon <laughs> bourbon was about as close to rock gut as you could get so yeah that seems right yeah
1: um i'm drinking but- it, this is has nothing to do with any of the movies we could possibly talk about tonight, but it is an homage to the podcast, which I thought was fitting for our first episode of the new year. I'm drinking a Blumhouse Fantasy Island cave water.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All so, right. OK, so <laughs> since since we're here um, and I don't remember if you gave the full recipe. When we originally did this, but, I don't
1: think I've ever given it out. No. I well, don't why, so.
0: why don't you? Why don't you? Re- I, I know it's been worked over a few times as well. So why don't you give us the full recipe here for the Blumhouse fantasy? Yeah, Allen this is what I,
1: this is what I'm working. on. This is what I'm. Okay, so I will say I've tweaked it a little bit tonight. Um, as you know, and I'm sure we can get into it at some point. I recently did a scream marathon. Um, and one of the things I used for that scream marathon marathon was lychee soda water um and so i use that in place of lychee nectar in this drink which the recipe usually uses lychee nectar Mm -hmm. but we you know just keep that in mind that i I did a little a little substituting there but the recipe i'm about to read is what i've historically done okay um uh so it's (laughs) three quarters of an ounce of 99 bananas (laughs)
0: Great start.
1: Quarter ounce of Malibu, an ounce of light rum, a half ounce lychee nectar, a half ounce passion fruit nectar, and the juice of like half a lime. I usually eyeball that one. I just like sort of like wing it, you know. Okay. Um, you just want a little citrusy in it because yeah, that's yeah. important. Um, uh, then I usually, I don't always do this, but sometimes if I'm feeling like, I'll do like a bar spoon of demerara syrup. Um, if I have it on hand and I want a little extra sweetness, that's like an optional, you know? Um, so I'll shake that all up, pour it into like a glass with ice. Usually like think like a highball glass. I'll top that with soda water. And then I'll add blue curacao, maybe like a half ounce, maybe a three, you know, whatever you feel like adding, um, to make the bottom (laughs) of the drink blue. Cause it's supposed to look like cave water. So it has to be like this, like crystal of blue at the bottom. Right.
0: Um,
1: and that's the drink. Um, you might like garnish with like a mint sprig or something. Cause you know, leaves are good. Cause it's the fantasy Island. Um, <laughs> you could also use like blue curacao and hypnotic together as your like blue mix at the end. I've done that sometimes when I'm oh feeling a little, like weird. Cause like hypnotic is not, it's like a lemony flavor. So it like goes well. Um, and it's like, you know, it's like equal ABV to blue curacao. Not, not too different. Um, so yeah, you can sort of play with it. Um, But yeah, so tonight I didn't use soda water or lychee nectar. I instead replaced both of those things with just the lychee soda. Um, And it's actually very good. Um, Yeah, no, that sounds great. Um, So, you know, if you ever find lychee soda,
0: it's good. Uh, Gotta look into it. That is the only reason that I currently have Malibu in my bar. (laughs) Was for that? Yeah. Is for making the, the... BFI cave water.
1: I surprisingly like the BFI cave waters. I've grown... Like, at first it was a joke, but now I'm like, oh, I'm like, <laughs> I keep drinking them. Um, it's but they're very dangerous because three-quarter ounce of 99 bananas alone is like a shot of liquor because... 99 bananas is 99, 99 proof, proof. <laughs> so. ninety nine bananas
0: is the the sneaky part of that cocktail because yeah. it's just like oh this is just like banana liqueur but yeah. it's super strong
1: yeah 99 bananas is not just any banana liqueur it's uh it's extremely strong so the the, the cave water is a very strong beverage
0: um don't mess around with the cave water. It's no. it's the magic of Fantasy Island. It'll, well, but that was also part uh, of the point.
1: You want it to be very strong because it's supposed to be like the Fantasy Island effect, you know? Yes. You Unexpected drink it consequences. A bit nuts. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, yeah. So that's what I'm drinking right now. It's very exciting. I hadn't had like a real one in a while. Like I'd done things where I was like, oh, I have some ingredients for this. I can sort of make it. But now, like, I was like, I have everything I need basically. So, um, decided to make one.
0: Man. So why you, not? We've really we've been circling the drain on uh Blumhouse Fantasy Island for the past week or two. I feel like another watch is in order at some point. <laughs> yeah, you
1: know what? So last night I found out um oh my god, what's his name? Who played Billy Loomis? Um Billy Loomis and Scream. What's his name? Uh, Come on. The nineties guy, he had the hair, uh, you know the
0: nineties guy, yeah, yeah. Um
1: he <laughs> was also in um was he in fucking Riverdale? Um Come on, Skeet, uh, Ulrich? Skeet Ulrich, Skeet Ulrich. He and Lucy Hale had a thing. I didn't know this, but I Googled <laughs> Skeet Ulrich. And like, I was looking for pictures because I was talking to some friend of the pod actually about how like I had a, like a childhood crush on Skeet Ulrich. And she was like, oh, but he was creepy. And I was like, yeah, that was like appealing to me. And so like, <laughs> right, um, right. Right. Like that's like, yeah, I know. Like that was the whole thing. Um, And so like, I like Googled him and I was just looking for pictures and like one of the first pictures that came up was like Skeet Ulrich finally dishes on his split from Lucy Hale and I was like, aren't they like twenty years apart in age? Yeah, like really no, <laughs> He <They> should be. <laughs>
0: if he um, was in like teen movies in the nineties and she was like doing, she's in teen movies like as of like two years
1: ago, couple like, of years ago, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm just saying that that's that was like a really weird thing that I just discovered. Um, but. Speaking of Fantasy Island, because, you know, Lucy Hale, the star is Fantasy Island,
0: obviously. Of course.
1: Yes. She's a friend of the pod, in a way.
0: Did Um, you know that Skeet Ulrich was born in Lynchburg, Virginia?
1: I did know that! I did! (laughs) I did! Um, I love that. I love that. He's a Virginian. We love Virginians on the pod. Oh, yes. For no reason. No reason (laughs) whatsoever.
0: Virginian Um, horror alums. Oh, Virginia
1: horror. You know it's a Virginia mm. horror, Wrong Turn. Um, wrong Turn. Oh, Wrong Turn.
0: Very nice. Yeah,
1: Wrong Turn is a Virginia horror. Wrong Turn might specifically mention Lynchburg at one point. I can't remember. Um, Ooh. You would Shout think I would remember because I did that day where I watched all of the Wrong Turn movies, but
0: um, you know, for some reason you don't remember everything that happened that day well i should remember the early parts of that day i should remember the first three <laughs> movies of that day
1: after that it's all a free for all but um <laughs> i was drinking moonshine that day let's oh my be clear. god because <laughs> i was like oh wrong turn i gotta drink fucking moonshine so, drink
0: moonshine for 10 we're all hours fortunate i didn't go blind that day like yeah um, um well you yeah. you you probably got, like, the store Moonshine, right? Like yeah, the...
1: obviously, yeah. Um, if I wanted real Moonshine, I would have had to, like, contact my biological father and be like, Hey, <laughs> man, what are you doing? And he would have been like, Yeah, I can get you that. Come to my shed. And I'd have been like, mm. uh, oh, so God.
0: <laughs> It's
1: going well. <laughs> um,
0: do you have any interesting stories of, like, theater trips to talk about from since we last recorded? Do I have interesting theater trip stories?
1: Well, I don't know if I have interesting. I mean, I had to move my seat because somebody picked the seat directly next to me for Matrix Resurrections, which was like a really <laughs> fucking weird thing. Um that is strange. It was a very strange thing. Um And there were those people in that auditorium who are wearing leather jackets and their sunglasses the whole <laughs> living, Um which was just very funny. Um I was like, all right, we get it. You're Matrix super fans. Um otherwise, I don't know if I really have like interesting stories. Do you? Do you have interesting
0: stories? I have a couple interesting things all about my trip to see um, Matrix Resurrections as well. Um, So first of all, when I when I went there, um, I was trying to drop off a package along the way there. (laughs) Oh,
1: I do know about this. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And, uh, so like the, the, uh, UPS drop off spot is, is right near the theater. And I usually walk to the theater. So I'm just like, Oh, I'll take the package with me, drop it off at the Dropbox, and then go to the theater. And so I got to the Dropbox, and the package didn't fit in it. I was like trying to cram it in there. Didn't go in. And then I was like checking my watch and it's like five minutes after showtime. So I know like if I go home and drop off the package, like I'm, I'm going to miss the movie. So I, I like, all right, so I have to bring this package with me <laughs> into the theater. <laughs> and it's like this sketchy-ass looking package because I've, I've been trying to cram it into the, the slot and it's all like banged up and stuff. And I'm like, okay, so I'm, I'm trying to sneak this sketchy package into the movie theater. I'm going to see The Matrix, which is already like kind of like a gun happy type movie. The kind of thing that like a sketchy weirdo might try to sneak something into.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh-huh.
0: so... And so I conceal the package. Not going to explain how because I might need to use this technique later. But <laughs> I conceal the package. Walk into the theater. I'm I'm getting that my ticket scanned, and, <laughs> and as as I'm like talking to the guy scanning the ticket, I'm realizing I'm wearing my last podcast on the left sweater, which has like pentagrams and shit and oh, like weed no. all over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like and I'm going to see the matrix and like the people that you mentioned in like the leather jackets and the sunglasses, I feel like I'm a very strange person showing up to go to this movie. I'm just hoping (laughs) I don't arouse any suspicion. So I make it in, I make it to the theater. I'm like, "Phew, fine. At least that went well. There's one couple in the theater and then there's me. So there's just three people there to see this movie and the couple left I'd say about 20 minutes into the movie and did not come back. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, I like, I don't understand what happened because I'm like, I feel like we didn't get so far into the movie that it was like, oh, this is like crap. Or maybe that, right. maybe they did think it was crap. Um, I don't know, but it was just weird that they left so early into the movie. And then I was like, okay, all right. I guess I'm watching this by myself now. <laughs> And I had a well, great time, <laughs> but it was Wait, very so you strange. were
1: totally alone
0: for that movie? Mm hmm. Like, like I after said. After they
1: left, obviously. But, yeah, after um, they
0: left. It was the last showing. Um, oh. It was a late night showing on a, I guess, Thursday night. Um, so, yeah. Man,
1: that is so fortunate. I uh, was not, you know, I wish I'd been last. I'd been, I wish I'd been alone in my screening. Um, instead i you know booked my ticket i was the first person in my auditorium to book my fucking ticket <laughs> <laughs> and i like this was like a, okay so my history with the matrix is it like it's not totally positive like i grew up not liking those movies at all i hated really? them for a even long the first time. one yeah even the first one wow and the reason is not because of anything the movies did it's because of like my biological father introduced him to me i don't Mm. i have a very bad relationship with him so like a lot of things that remind me of him just like i don't i don't i have historically not liked and so there's like a, a like a curve where like some things i have to just like you know reacquaint myself with and the matrix was one of those things where i just like have never been able to do it successfully um another example like the movie sleepy hollow like i just like you know i can't just like we have a i have a bad history with the movie sleeping oh wow because of him and like which is upsetting because i would actually think i would probably really like that movie otherwise but um, i would
0: think that would be your jam like that's exactly it's
1: it's very up my alley um so anyway you know i i decided that ahead of the new one i would rewatch them all i i even bought like a four pack of the movies so it's you know the matrix the trilogy plus the animatrix Um, oh yeah um so like I worked my way through them. I actually really liked the first one this time around. I really really liked it. I did not like the second one very much, but I did like the third one. Um, oh, that's interesting. Um, so the second one was just like silly. It was like it, like and it like, but it was taking itself so seriously. Like well, it was like it was like silly, and like the filtering was so bad, and like it was like this is just very this is much. This is a lot for me. This is just is it's a bit much. Uh, so
0: my my experience with it growing up was that I always thought, like, the first one was, like, one of the best movies ever made. Yeah, then, I like, think
1: it's definitely one of the best action movies. I mean, But then,
0: like, the other two were, like, complete crap. And then on this, this watch through, I still think that, like, the first one is incredible and really, yeah. like, an amazing achievement. And the second one is, like, not quite as good, but still, like, has a lot of good stuff going on for it. Uh, and a lot of stuff that people made fun of it for at the time I actually think lands a lot better now. Uh, and then I thought the third one, I was like, oh, what is this? This is garbage.
1: <laughs> That's so funny. I just think like the second one for me, it, like and the third one, didn't really do this much. Like the second one, just like the aesthetic of it was like, it was like, what do you think of when you think of parodies of the matrix? The second one, like, right. So the vibe was just like. Like, when you think of, like, people making fun of the Matrix or, like, trying to imitate the Matrix, it's the second one is actually That's what you're true. thinking
0: of. That's true. And so,
1: like, because, like, the first one really, like, the like there's a lot of, like, filtering and, like, it's, like, trying to be, like, this, like, rainy city. Like, but, like, the second one is, like, everything is, like, green and, like, it's, like, all right, we fucking get it. Like, um, but the third one really went away from that the third one suffers from a problem that i think a lot of like final installments and action fantasy type trilogies suffer from which is where the last one is all like the battle like and it's just like all right that was shut up um it's the same reason i think that like you know like the last harry potter movie is not one of my favorite ones you know like all of these like a lot of these movies do this where they're yeah the last hunger games like we just like don't need a movie where it's all the final battle, like the very, last you know.
0: Hobbit movie for crying out loud. Well, oh my God. I, all of the Hobbit
1: movies, but like, um, but they the got, last got progressively movies.
0: worse. The last one yeah, was the last so one is really really hard.
1: bad. Yeah. Um, but like, so you know, the last Matrix movie ha- suffers from that problem for me. But at least on like an aesthetic level, it like was less cartoonish in my mind, even though it it is okay. still very cartoonish. I want to be clear. It's like. this isn't like a huge difference and i enjoyed the second one i just don't think it's very good like i enjoyed watching it but i think it's like a a kind of bad movie Um, or at least like a a mediocre movie it's not bad it's
0: mediocre um what i liked about it was that it got like a little deeper with the philosophical stuff without i love that it took like the
1: the like the philosophy and all of that deeper i loved that about it um but like then you get like the French people coming in and like <laughs> and like I, although I will say I loved the continuing running gag of the Frenchman after the second movie like in, <laughs> his his appearances in the third and fourth movies are both very
0: good. He becomes um, increasingly more tolerable as the series. Well, goes because on. he
1: becomes increasingly more of like like he's he's the joke and like yeah. like you're in on the joke and the movies and on the joke later as it goes in the first in his first appearance i think you're kind of supposed to take him as like a serious threat and i'm like okay this guy's a joke right like come on (laughs) like (laughs) um but uh yeah so um but again i still really enjoyed the experience of watching that movie but it's like my experience of watching like the fourth slasher sequel or something you know like it's like this is just like silly and funny um but um but, like, the third one I thought was a little bit better. And then I loved the Matrix Resurrections. I thought it was really, mm-hmm. really good. Um, so, you know, the, that that's where I am on The Matrix franchise right now. First one is amazing. Second one is eh. Third one is less eh. Fourth one is also incredible. So that that's, like, sort of where I'm at. Uh,
0: yeah. I, I thought this one was really good. I thought that they did, like, exactly the sort of thing that you should do when you're following up on a, like, movie franchise 20 years later Mm -hmm. uh which is to like just sort of flip the whole franchise on its head like interrogate the franchise itself and like the sort of the way that culture is adapted around it
1: yeah Um, i think it was really interesting that the the movie interrogated the franchise and interrogated the fans of the franchise um it's a really interesting moment we're in right now with the Matrix resurrections in theaters and also Scream, which is also interrogating a franchise and the fans of said franchise. Um
0: <laughs> But Scream has been um, doing that the like ever since Scream Yeah, too, you haven't basically. seen the new
1: Scream. I want I want to tell you that the new Scream is really
0: doing it. And I'm it, sure it does. Yeah. I'm um, I'm pumped for it's, it.
1: It's it's very very pointed. Um it it's so um you know, I think I think there's like a moment I think there's a moment we're having right now where we're getting some movies doing a a backlash to the nostalgia trend is what yeah. is, is, is I think what we're seeing, and I think that's what's happening with you know I mean even just with Matrix Resurrections we're seeing a sort of like you know Lana Wachowski doing like a like saying like this this like nostalgia thing where all we're like wow things were better at this X time is like ridiculous like and so uh, you know like there are still yeah I don't know I think um I think that the Matrix Resurrections is sort of like prodding at that idea of just like i mean look at what's like big all the time right now like even like spider-man which i loved but it's like built on nostalgia you know like um, yeah but and it's not but it's not interrogating nostalgia in the same way you know um it's mm-hmm. it's like thriving within nostalgia and sometimes that works and sometimes nostalgia is good i don't want to be like i loved the new spider-man but um I think Matrix Resurrections is saying like maybe it's not always good to be living in that nostalgia, and I would agree with that impulse. So, um, you know, I don't know. I really liked the new Matrix, and I didn't think I would. I I like went in thinking I would maybe not like it as much because just because I have that skepticism of the whole franchise. Um, But I did really really like it. I thought it was really really great. Um, So, and I love. I just I really like. I don't know. Like, I feel like it's like, it's trying, like, it's really interesting when a movie is actually trying to interrogate its past. And, uh, you know, like Halloween is not doing that, for example, (laughs) (laughs) like in a meaningful way. And like, it'd be nice if something like Halloween would do that. Um, Mm -hmm. because like these, these like big franchises with these like long legs have like such an interesting past that is worth interrogating because a lot of them have like really changed like film and culture. Um, and you know, it, I think they're worth interrogating how that's changed things. And also, I mean, fan culture right now is really weird and strange and worth exploring. Um, Yeah. And like, even just like in reactions to the matrix resurrections, you can see it like, like, or like, I mean, look at like fucking the last Jedi, which interrogated like how people view star Wars and got like the biggest backlash from fans. Like anybody's ever seen. And like, like, and then they course corrected, like the next movie course corrected to a way that like, I mean, that the next movie was not good. Like the rise of Skywalker oh, yeah. was bad. So bad. And it was just, it was very visibly a course correction from the backlash they'd gotten to the last Jedi. And so yeah. like, it it's just like, we live in this time now where like you fucking start a Twitter trend and the next movie in your series is going to be a reaction to like how people tweeted about you. It's fucking <laughs> exhausting. Yeah. Like, <laughs>
0: Um, I wish creators would stop trying to engage with the discourse so much. Like, But just but I think that's the what the Matrix of
1: Directions to... is really talking about. It's talking about, like, fuck that. Like, like, <laughs> and I, th- I think Scream is also talking about that, you know, um, just to compare it to another movie that I've seen that you haven't. Sorry. Scream yeah. is also talking about, like, fuck that idea of, like, having to, like, bow to, like, the fans. And, like, it's, like, so, like now that, like, I've seen both of these movies and I've, like, seen, like, some negative reviews, I'm like, of course there are, like, piss babies getting mad that a movie dares to call them out. Like... The people like, getting
0: mad about The Matrix were the funniest, because they like there were so many people like, oh, The Matrix has gone woke now. It's like, are you kidding me? Have you
1: ever <laughs> fucking paid attention with The Matrix is about? the Bath Matrix has always been fucking woke. What are the you Matrix talking about? The Matrix has
0: been... The Matrix like, as a franchise, like, the entire concept is about becoming woke. About, like, waking up and realizing what's going on. That's, like... That is like the key concept behind it. Like whether you agree with it or not, that's what it's about. And they it like invented the, the red pill and the blue pill thing that's become worked and twisted in like the common vernacular. Uh, but that that's all. It's always been like a highly politicized, highly like cultural type thing. God, it's, it's not so just a movie exhausting. about yeah. people shooting guns in slow motion. And this movie ha- tackles that like very well, like all, all this yeah. s- sort of stuff that people are like, when people are talking about like all the stuff they loved about like the original matrix, because uh, like we should mention like, Oh, the in montage this...
1: of like people talking about like the mate, when you think about the matrix, you think about um, yeah. 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 Cause in this, in this Oh yeah. Okay. In,
0: this in this version, ma- like the matrix was like a, ser- like the, the previous matrix movies that we've seen were like a series of games that people really liked in this reality. And it's Mm -hmm. kind of, it's a little harder to explain than that, but that's like the basic idea. But there's like a lot of fans that we get to see of the, the previous matrix installments in this and like all the stuff that they're always talking about. It's like, Oh, we love the bullet time. We love like the, all the shooting and all the violence and stuff like that. And yeah, for some people that is what the matrix is all about, but it was always like way deeper than that.
1: That's like, that's like, so, like, th- for my biological father, that's what the movies are all about. And that's why I always didn't like them growing up, because of, like, that's what he's instilled in me about what they were. Um, and so, like, you know, like, I totally, I really appreciated where this movie was coming from, where was saying, like, fuck that. Fuck that idea that that's what the movies were about, because it's not. And, like, even if I don't necessarily love the second and third movies, like, I still think they're about more than, like you know, like it's trying to say something, whether or not it succeeds is a different story to me. And I, but I respect them because they're trying to say something, you know? Um, And so, you know, the, I loved this movie for being like, fuck that, fuck this idea that like, you're trying to like co-opt this movie to just be like shooting bang, bang, kill them all. Take the red pill. Because God knows that Republicans have taken, take the red pill. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, which of course this movie is like, No, there's no thoughtful understanding of this movie that is compatible with Republican ideology. Like, there's like virtually no way you can be like, Yes, I understood that movie, and I'm a real Republican. Like, there you just can't do that. And like, if you say that, you're like, your understanding of either political philosophy or this movie are just like fucked up. One of the two, I mean. But like, you know, I love that this movie is just like. No, like you, you all, so many people misunderstood what the entire franchise was about, you know? Um,
0: Right. um, Yeah. Yeah. I also found it interesting that this movie was kind of also a, a response to like, being asked to make a follow-up to the matrix. Yeah. Cause, uh, sort of like some of the background to this movie was that previously like Warner brothers has been pushing for a sequel and the Wachowskis were like both kind of like, eh, we don't really want to do that. And eventually like Lana Wachowski decided that she was going to do this, but like on her own terms and like in the way that she wanted, um, but like, there's there's part of this movie that's basically like, well, like your hands are tied. Like, we're going to make a sequel to this with you or without you. So, it, like, y- you can either make it the way you want, or we'll make it the way we want. And that that is like that that is very much like a call out to Warner Brothers itself. In yeah, I love that
1: moment because like, I wondered like, did they not like screen this movie before it went to theaters?
0: Like, <laughs> oh, I, I'm sure they did, and I'm I'm yeah. sure they're fine with it. Like, there's. Most most studios are like aware that their creators can sometimes uh like insult yeah. them or worry yeah. them and their work. Is,
1: is okay with that.
0: Yeah. And they'll usually be okay with that as long as it's making the money. So I right. don't care. Well, but it
1: well, unfortunately this movie didn't make the money. So that is that is unfortunate.
0: <laughs> I, I do wish the movie was more successful. Of course uh, this
1: movie didn't make the. You know, it's so like, we have like multiple movies in theaters right now that are sort of like grappling with nostalgia and that's No Way Home, the Spider-Man movie, Matrix Resurrections and Scream 5 or just Scream, whatever you want to call it.
0: Um, don't and, don't like, forget about the Ghostbusters movie, which is that still movie, in theaters right now.
1: <laughs> first of all, I can't believe that's still in theaters. Second of all, you're right. That is sort of grappling with nostalgia, I guess. Um, I still
0: haven't seen it, so I can't really comment on the con you know what that's my yourself. least favorite
1: of all of these movies um easily <laughs> though because like i think scream no way home and matrix resurrections were all like four plus star ratings for me on letterboxd but ghostbusters was like two and a half um, um because it's like ghostbusters is like a cheap nostalgia cash grab um, well yeah
0: I, I mean i could i kind of got that feeling from the the trailers and that is like in my mind Having not seen the film, by the way, but in my mind, just from my impression that I get of the movie, that's, like, exactly the sort of thing that, like, the Matrix Resurrection is trying to, like, push back against.
1: Yeah, and scream, and scream. And so um, No Way Home isn't really trying to push back against that, but it is, like it's doing a little bit more with it. You know what I mean? Like I don't expect much going to a Spider-Man movie necessarily, but like, it isn't like just being like mindlessly reveling in it. It it, it is sort of like dealing with like Spider-Man's existence within a, a, you know, all of these other Spider-Men. So, you know, I, you know, Ghostbusters was just like, whatever. Um, I I did not like that movie very much. Um, I don't know. I don't know. So, you know, I guess that that is also dealing with it. You're right, but I, I would prefer not to think about it. <laughs> in the um, wrong way, perhaps. In all of the wrong ways. Um, I, it's just... Uh, yeah, don't like that. Um, but man, Matrix Resurrections. Matrix Resurrections was just so great, and the cast was so good. Jessica Henwick as, like, the new, like... As, uh... What was her name in this movie? Um
0: zip bugs
1: bugs yes because she was the bunny she was white rabbit um yes bugs um or fucking jonathan groff he was so good he was awesome
0: jonathan groff as the new version of agent smith in this i i found it like they so obviously not everyone came back for this installment but you don't have to when like half of the people in the movie are computer programs anyway. So you can just like, oh, they got reskinned or you can easily yeah, over.
1: you can easily find excuses for recasting in a movie like this.
0: So uh Jonathan Groff is the new version of Agent Smith did such a great job of like channeling the same sort of energy of that character while still giving his own take on it. And he's so great at playing like these evil but suave characters. Like he was he was a real standout in this movie for me.
1: Yeah, it like it, and like I hadn't seen him do a role like this before. And my like my little heart was so proud. <laughs> like <laughs> he's just uh, he was just like so fucking great. Um, you know? I just thought he was great. My my little gay heart was very happy for Jonathan Groff. <laughs> I remember like loving Jonathan Groff as like a young gay man who just like listened to Spring Awakening. Like, um, and he like fucking he fucking did it in this movie. Um, I was so he was so know,
0: good. Yeah. Speaking um, of other gay standouts in this Neil movie Patrick Harris. Well, Neil Patrick Harris. God, he also.
1: Fucking, I was super skeptical of him being in this movie. I was like, "There's no way this guy is gonna be good in this movie." He fucking rocked it. He was also very good.
0: Yeah. He's legit. Like now, he he played like the ultimate villain in yeah. this movie. Yeah. Um. Even more of a threat than. Did you catch his uh, name? Smith. Just as a a,
1: th- a shout out to any uh our mutual friends who listen to the pod, but the analyst was his name. The analyst. Oh. <laughs> um, All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was. He was really good. Um Hello, You know Mr. who else analyst. was really good? Uh. Th- I like. I was sad to not see Lawrence Fishburne come back, but. Yahya Abdul-Mateen as the new Morpheus was also really, really good.
0: He did. He was having so much
1: fun in that role. He was having a great time.
0: What I really liked about him in this movie is that so like his backstory for this is that like, so Morpheus is gone and Neo sort of like created this AI version of Morpheus within his own program to come and save him from like, it's, it's kind of convoluted. Like I can't really explain here. Well, but, like he created
1: to, to understand it. you have to know all three previous matrix movies, really. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> he created this AI version of Morpheus to come and rescue him. And so it's like, it's kind of Morpheus, but it's also kind of not. And so he's like, he's playing Morpheus, but not always similar to the way that Lawrence Fishburne did. And he's somehow, and he's sometimes kind of like showing up elements of that previous performance. He's like, So I'm supposed to offer you one of these pills now, or something like that. Um, but I, I really liked him in this role. It was really fun. This was totally the sort of thing that could have been like a major screw up, uh, like recasting a very iconic character, especially with such an incredible performance from Lawrence Fishburne. But uh, like, this was really cool to see, uh, and he he knocked it out of the park, in my mind.
1: Yeah, I, I think, like, the fact that he wasn't supposed to be the original Morpheus gave him a lot of license to, like, have a little fun and, like, play with that original character, and I think it, it really worked out. If he'd been supposed to, like, if he'd been trying to just, like, directly imitate Lawrence Fishburne, it wouldn't have worked out. Yeah, you know Lawrence Fishburne is a a pretty singular presence on a screen. I would say, um, so Absolutely. you know you're, you're not going to directly imitate him. Um, there's just no way you're doing that. So um, they they were smart to like sort of like play with that concept. Um, so. I mean, there's just so many smart choices, like, you know, like, if they had to recast Morpheus, the smart choice was to make it not Morpheus anymore. Like, it's Morpheus, but it's not Morpheus. And even that is playing with your ideas about, like, nostalgia and all of that. Like, we're deprived of, like, the original Morpheus, you know? Like, like, we're deprived of the original Trinity for so much of this movie, you know? And, and, And there's just, like, so many different ways this movie is just, like we're not going to give you what you thought you were going to get out of a matrix
0: reboot, you know?
1: Um, Exactly. Yeah. And it's just like, so smart. I mean, that's just like, that is a smart way to reboot it. And it's, I mean, it's also the smart way to reboot it. If you don't actually want to fucking reboot it, like if you (laughs) don't want the movie to like produce like a million sequels, this was the way to do that. Like (laughs) it's so smart. Um, So yeah. I don't know. There's just like so many great things about the way this movie handled itself. Um, yeah. Yeah. Big fan. Big.
0: Yeah. Fan. Very big, big fan. fan. I also liked how, so they sort of played up throughout like the beginning of the movie, how they're like, Oh, we, we have to do bullet time again. Like basically like if, if you want to give the fans what they want, you have to do bullet time. And so, like, the the big special effect in this movie was, like, kind of an inversion of bullet time, in a way, um, where the analyst gets Neo to move in slow motion while he just sort of flits around in regular motion. Yep. And Neo's, like, powerless to to, like, affect events in there. And, like, the analyst can just kill Trinity instantly if he wants to. I thought that was really cool it was a cool looking effect and like it had an interesting reason for existing in the story. So that I, I I thought that was a really cool inclusion.
1: Yeah. I did really like that. I mean, yeah, I liked the analyst overall. I thought the analyst was like a, a good, a good villain here. I thought, you know, the way the, he, they were used was really smart. I thought, um, yeah, no, no. I, I did like. I guess that is the big special effects scene. I'm also thinking about like the, the like the sequence that happens where there's like a shootout at the gaming company, which was fake. Um, that's also a big special effects scene, I would say. Oh um, yeah,
0: yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, that's and that like you get to see more of like that effect shown there, right? Um, but uh, I, really, the the scene that absolutely blew my mind in this movie was like that big chase scene at the end and everything. But like specifically the part where the, the simulation is being used to get people to throw themselves out of the windows at the cars that are driving. Oh yeah. That was so upsetting. Yeah. That was like, that is one of the craziest things I've ever seen on film. I like, I just could not believe it. it was like, I was like, I have never seen anything like this. It was like, it was kind of like what world war Z should have been. It was <laughs> like, like with like this mass of humans is not behaving the way that normal humans should, except it was done well. And mm-hmm. it also, it also took me back at another zombie movie comparison. That's like a little more favorable to like return of the living dead. The oh, yeah. scenes like where they're like driving in the dark and suddenly come upon this big mob just coming towards them. Like oh, sure. Back- yeah that definitely happened in 1.2. And like that whole scene, I was just like, wow, they're really, they're really using effects like it to their most efficient effect. here." I guess. Yeah,
1: I think so. No lack of I better think better so. Word. That whole like sort of like battle sequence towards the end was all, all very, very well handled. I would say. Um, I, I really liked all of the effects of the, the various characters, like, just, like, being obstructionist and trying to, like, fight off the good guys. Um, Uh Also, let's talk about the Frenchman's return scene um, (laughs) uh, where he's, like, a crazy, like... I don't fucking know. He's, like, a... He's kind of like a wasteland cat from Cats, the musical. Uh, There's,
0: like, yeah the scene where a couple of various characters from the previous movies come to, like, attack them. And I guess they've been, like... They've been wasting away because they've been exiled, which is like you're not like functioning as a program anymore. You're like on the run to escape deletion. Um, but he's yeah, he's like he's like a wasteland cat, basically. Yeah, he's okay. like a, he's he's gone feral, and he's just he's still speaking in like some sort of like broken French English hybrid, and just like trying to attack neo is like this i just i love when he i love
1: when he showed up and neo just
0: goes oh my god (laughs) i was like that's how i
1: thought every time he showed up (laughs) like (laughs) Uh, not this guy uh, again (laughs) like i thought that was like one of the most like pointed examples of the movie understanding it's it's like history it was like this guy is fucking absurd like we're doing this again um but at this point he needs to show up in every movie like if they ever make another sequel, the Frenchman has to show up again. Um, Oh yeah. And just as like a one-off like mini villain again, like, it's just like, you're fucking ridiculous. Like whoever you are, whatever you are. Um, yeah, that, <laughs> that scene was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I mean, then it becomes like high stakes, you know, they're like trying to kill them. But like in that moment, it was very, very ridiculous. Um, I still love that there were like multiple members of the sensate cast in this movie. Um,
0: Oh yeah. Well, of course, of course. Yeah.
1: yeah. But I like, I just like seeing when like a director or like creator in general sort of has like their, you know, their like group of actors and people that they sort of, yeah. Yeah. Um, Like, and when you start like seeing that filled out, it's kind of nice. Like, and you know, that is normal. That's not, that's not an abnormal thing. Um, but it is just, like, it's nice to see that, like, Lana Wachowski has sort of, like, that that pull, really. Like, because uh, she deserves that. I mean, she's a, you know, she's a, she does have, like, a singular sort of vision. Even if I don't always like every movie, but, like, or show or whatever. But, like, you know, it is, like, exciting to see that. That, like, there's, like, a... Because rec- usually that's, like, a good... You know, I don't know. That usually means that they work well together, and so you get good results. Yeah. Um, so like how like Rob Zombie has like all of the same cast return all the time it works out really well for him so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um,
0: well everybody hates on him casting his wife but I think like who else would oh my be God. better to be if in a Rob he, Zombie movie
1: yeah he absolutely should cast her in every single movie he ever does she hits it out of the park in every movie he ever does. Honestly, Rob Zombie looks at Sherry Moon and goes, act as fucking insane as you can. <laughs> and she's like, hell yeah. And I'm like, yes, this is great. We're all so happy right now. Um, so that's like the best thing that's ever happened. Um, anybody who hates on him casting her, his wife needs to chill the fuck out because that's a good thing. Um, I don't also, understand. she doesn't do yeah. any other movies. So... Like when else is she going to get work? Like <laughs> I think yeah. she legitimately doesn't even try to do other movies half the time. Cause I think she would get work if she tried.
0: Uh, yeah. But. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I, I always think that that's a great sign of a director when they've got like a, a stable of actors and actresses who work with them on the regular. Um, yeah. Because they, you know, they, they work well together. They always turn in exactly the performance that you'd expect, and it's it's always fun to watch different actors get shuffled around into like different sort of roles in their works.
1: Yeah, I think it's just a good sign because it like it like shows that like the director is somebody that you know performers can trust. That's a good sign. Um, there's like a you know when and when there is that sort of like relationship. That that generally means you're gonna get better relationship or better performances out of any cast members, even if they're not some of the recurring ones. Like it's like if the director is a sort that like inspires that sort of appeal or loyalty, then all of the cast is probably gonna feel comfortable and do a good job. So it's just like usually a good sign if a cast if they're like directors who have like recurring cast members. Um so it's nice that the Wachowskis really do have that going at this point, and it's like becoming visible. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's also just nice to see Sensei cast members on screen because the show was canceled too early. It was,
0: yeah, very disappointing. Gone too soon. Show.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, that show was like basically the like epitome of the wachowskis like philosophy and everything like oh yeah that show was like yeah yeah the themes of a lot of their different works all together in one which is really interesting
1: yes that uh yeah yeah agreed agreed
0: so yeah um matrix resurrection really great yeah, we talked, we talked. We talked about it that
1: a lot. We uh, this wasn't. Um, we weren't planning to talk about singular movies on this show, but we did.
0: Um, um, let's see. What else do we have to talk about? Probably talk about it a little more before we're wrapping up. Um sure. What
1: else have uh, we both I, seen?
0: Well, um, why don't why don't we talk about some stuff that we've seen individually first, and then we'll sure. loop back to a joint thing. Um just briefly nightmare alley. Um, mm. I've been anticipating that one for a long time. Guillermo del Toro. Um, and with a classic story of the carnival and con men and stuff, all stuff that I'm very interested in. Um, so I was very excited yeah, all to see because this. Because
1: you read Sark Freak. <laughs> Hello. Yeah,
0: <laughs> of course. That's, that's where I'm getting it from. Definitely. um, but so, And I've even been reading the book for this one. I finally finished it recently. <laughs> uh, I thought you
1: meant for a second. I was like, oh, wow, you're reading Cirque du Freak. Cirque by Freak. Jean, I, um, I should
0: be. I should be reading that. Uh, I would probably I did, get yeah. my Goodreads count up a lot quicker that oh. way. Um, but, yeah, um, really like this movie. It was – I still haven't seen the 1940s version. I've heard some people compare – this version unfavorably to it, um, so I, I don't I don't have a comparison for that. But I really like this. I thought it changed a few things that I was kind of questionable about. It kind okay. of like reduces the latter half of the story, which is kind of strange because that's like the more interesting stuff. It, it spends a lot of time lingering on the carnival, which is relatively brief in the movie. Um, Wait.
1: Well- it's brief in the movie, but the not in the book.
0: It's sorry, wrong way around. Okay, <laughs> it's relatively briefer in the book than it is in the movie. Okay, um, that's what I
1: thought you meant, but uh, yeah, okay,
0: okay, yeah. Um, but um, and like the ending feels a little rushed, but other okay. than that, I thought like it was really cool. Bradley Cooper was great. Um, just like everybody was doing an amazing job. Cate Blanchett, Rooney Mara. Um, yeah, it, it was really good. Uh, I'm sad that this one did not get a lot of, uh, boost at the box office. It's, uh, quite a big disappointment. It came
1: out at the wrong time.
0: Yeah. It came out the same weekend as (laughs) Spider-Man. So came out
1: and same weekend as Spider-Man during a COVID surge.
0: Yeah, that's just like so, the worst timing. Pretty unfortunate for that. Um, like I've said
1: in previous episodes, I think the Venn diagram of people who want to see this movie and people who are COVID cautious is a circle. Like that's uh, no uh, you know, pretty, uh, pretty big. Yeah, so it's
0: a bummer. But it, yeah, it was a fun movie. I thought Bradley Cooper especially was just like amazing and like showing all the different transformations of this character. I can't Um, wait to see
1: Bradley Cooper. I mean, I haven't seen this movie yet. I just like, have. I feel like I haven't seen Bradley Cooper in a movie since a star is born.
0: Um, Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. He does. He does channel some of those vibes in this one. I think Uh, also this character, character also an alcoholic. So, you know, same character.
1: Um, It's it's
0: big in there. Um, I I found it kind of funny that (laughs) Kate Blanchett, plays a seductress both in this movie and in Don't Look Up, and then Ron Perlman also plays like a grizzled tough guy in the same two movies.
1: Yeah! Wow, <laughs> that uh, is funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was. And I watched the two movies like two days apart, so I was like, "Oh man, you like, were really thinking
1: about them." Yeah,
0: I'm like, I, I've like tapped into the Matrix here. <laughs> like this Whoa. is all, yeah. Bringing it back. Um, but yeah, it was a fun movie. Check it out. It's probably not in theaters near you anymore, but hopefully it'll be coming to streaming soon somewhere. If you
1: live in New York, it is still playing
0: here. So. Oh, well, very nice. If you're in New York, check it out. But it's at weird
1: fucking time, so good luck with that. Check um,
0: it out at a weird fucking time. Go At
1: a weird fucking time. Just
0: <laughs> go it. see it at 10 p.m. I really
1: want to see it. I really Get really
0: loaded see it. on bourbon beforehand.
1: Okay, good to know. Bourbon. Bourbon is the move here.
0: Bourbon um, is the move.
1: Have you seen anything else that you want to talk about?
0: Um. Uh, well, you haven't seen Liquor's Pizza. I don't want to spoil too much on that front. Um, it's but just a really... T-
1: discuss it, yeah.
0: It's just a really fun movie. Um it's paul thomas anderson i've i've never seen a bad movie from him paul thomas anderson always amazing yeah, um, that's, i
1: think that's the general consensus on Paul. this thomas
0: one thomas is that. just just like how fun were the early 70s basically and like kooky God, stuff how fun were no, they
1: no, no. you know what it's like I it's wanna like know. how fun,
0: i, I want to know and this movie will tell you I it'll also know. tell you how can fucked you up can your me. 20s be um, you know what?
1: I also want to know how a, fucked up my twenties can be.
0: That's a um, main part of this. I know it's I've just survived like,
1: them, so I actually know how fucked up my twenties can be. Um, <laughs> it's about
0: it's about feeling lost and adrift in your twenties. That's a it's a main theme of the movie. I found that yeah, really relatable. Just,
1: you know what? Most of my life has been about being lost and stuff in my twenties. Um, mm-hmm. I know that technically only a third of my life has been about being in my twenties but like the first 10 years don't count.
0: So <laughs> those years, those, the, those are your preloading years. You're just loading up all the stuff. And that's at least a, a, a few
1: years into my thirties will still be about the mistakes I made in my twenties. So like coming know. back to risk.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I like it, it was also just, it was a, it was a beautiful movie. It looks great. It's really fun and funny. Um, just, a lot of cool stuff in that movie and, and so many so many fun like bit parts in that movie one of the softies plays a side character in this yeah, i love tom. tom tom waits and sean Penn are in this bradley cooper is in this again <laughs> um there's a lot of like fun side characters and like goofy stuff going on in love this it. movie love uh it. Al- alana Haim. Well, from the band Haim, of course. That's is, like the big appeal lead for a lot of best. people.
1: Yeah, she can't is Alana Haim is in this movie.
0: <laughs> she is great. She like I I don't think she's done any major acting before, but she's great. She does great job leading Cooper Hoffman, son. Yeah, of, basically
1: all of her acting has been like music stuff. So don't uh, worry. Yeah.
0: yeah, Cooper Hoffman, the the son of uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, is an, the other main character in this movie also really fun really amazing to see him like working with Paul Thomas Anderson who worked with Philip so much on his movies like the master Um, so and, and he does a great job as well and it's just it's it's a great actor movie it's a great director movie it's just it's beautiful through and through very fun movie to watch
1: I'm really looking forward to seeing it. I need to, um, I might still be able to catch it in theaters here. It's just like kind of hit or miss on the show times. Um,
0: yeah. The thing is it's been playing in New York like longer than everywhere else. So they might be starting to taper off.
1: Yeah. But this is sort of the movie that has like legs in New York. Um, definitely, definitely. yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, this is sort of the movie that will show at like random theaters forever here. Um, so, I might still be able to. I might still be able to. We'll see. If not, you know, I'll see. I don't think this is sort of the movie where watching it at home diminishes the viewing. Um, oh yeah, generally oh, yeah. a Paul Thomas Anderson movie is fine to watch at home.
0: But uh, I think it's definitely enjoyable at home. It was fun to see it on the big screen in seventy millimeter, but I don't think it's essential. Yeah. Um, you know, the the film thing was really the biggest add for me like i don't think it really benefits that much from the big screen but really watching it on film gave it that added bit of nostalgia that was really cool yeah that is a benefit
1: i would agree with that
0: um have you seen being the ricardos no and i i don't want to but continue (laughs) um uh i'll just talk about that very briefly i liked it for the most part it was kind of one of those movies where it's like, mostly you're okay with like having it on in the background. I watched, I watched it on Amazon prime where it is streaming currently. Um,
1: and it, forever it's an Amazon movie, right? So it's yeah. always going to be on there.
0: Yeah. Um, Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem were great. Um,
1: of course they were. They're
0: always the, great. Yeah. Yeah. They're fun. A lot of people like criticize the casting, but I think they did. They did pretty much as well as they could have. You're yeah. trying to recreate two very iconic stars. Right, It's hard to hit that right on the nose. I think they did pretty well. Um, it, it's, a, it's an interesting story. I think it's best when it just focuses on letting them be their characters. There's a lot of like... I don't know why they did this whole conceit where it's like this is being tell, told as a documentary and we've got like talking heads and stuff because they didn't even get the real people for this so it's like okay so you fake this but like it's barely part of the movie so it's like you you could have just tied this together with the editing rather than having like people introduce the different parts of it i, I Aaron found that
1: sorkin can't do anything normal <laughs> like he can't do anything the way that seems the most obvious that's He's very a true weirdo. like <laughs>
0: So, yeah, I I thought that was a bit of a drawback. Also, like some of the politics of the movie are a little confused. Um, I wish Lauren were around right now to talk more about the Cuban stuff in the movie. But suffice it to say, there's a lot of confusion in this movie, like. Um, so are you going to par- tell me
1: that Aaron Sorkin doesn't understand Cuban politics and the relation to American Probably politics?
0: Probably not. But so then wow. a, a main plot point in this movie is that it's taking place during the period of time wherein like there was a media frenzy about like, is Lucille Ball a communist? And part of what they tie in here is, um, uh, Desi Arnaz is the, the character of Desi Arnaz. Uh, telling like stories about his fleeing from Cuba. But it's sort of conflated in the story to make it sound like he's fleeing from the communists. But the communist revolution didn't happen until 20 years after he left Cuba. It was a different revolution that caused his family to leave Cuba. And it was actually a revolution that included Batista, mm-hmm. who would later be the person who was, you know, propped up by the United States government and who was then deposed by the communist revolution. But so like there there's there's a lot of there's a lot of simplification of the whole political scene in Cuba that takes place in this movie. And uh it's it's just like that typical Sorkinism, you know? It's yep. like he can't mm-hmm. he has to mix everything together. Um but I didn't feel like that Drew was too much of a drawback on the movie. Overall, I found it enjoyable. I found the acting to be really good. It was most enjoyable when it was just about them trying to put together a TV show and you got to see like all the kind of behind the scenes stuff about that. And I like it, yeah. all the stuff about their relationship, which was really interesting too.
1: I just think Aaron Sorkin is incapable of vivid like he can't not fully inject his own philosophy into every movie he does and like not that you shouldn't do that because i do actually think if you're an artist you should be projecting your like i do think when you create art you're probably projecting your philosophy onto it yeah he just like he injects it into places and ways that like just like make no fucking sense like you know thinking about fucking the trial of chicago seven where it's like there are times where it's like, this is not what happened. This is not <laughs> like reality. And you're just fucking making it up because you need people to say these sentences. Cause that's what you believe.
0: Oh so you yeah. Shut
1: up, Aaron. Well, this, like,
0: this was much less heinous than that. Fortunately. Okay. That's good. Uh, okay. Trial of the Chicago seven. There were parts where I was like, come on. Like it did not happen like this. I don't even know anything about it. And I know it didn't happen like this. And I looked it up later and I was like, Yep. <laughs> what
1: do you know he's just that's uh, just like who he is he like you know he'll be like mm, well i just need this to happen here because that proves my point and i'll be like okay thank you aaron appreciate it i feel so enlightened by your fake history lesson um It'd be like different if he didn't always insist on making movies about real events and people and then like making them fake. Like it's like the (laughs) most absurd thing. (laughs) That's the biggest
0: problem. It's like like, like, just
1: read a fucking fiction movie. I don't understand. It was almost
0: it was almost better when he was doing the West Wing. It's like, yes, the West Wing is still annoying, but you can at least be like, all right, this is a fictional version of America. It's
1: fiction. Like but, like, now he's, like, writing movies where it's, like, these are real people. And he's, like, bullshitting us through them. And I'm, like, this is so fucking annoying. Um, he,
0: just, he just needs to make his version of, like, Air Force One or something like that. Where it's, like, it's about politics and America and about, like, presidents. But it's not yeah, about but real like people.
1: Same, like, he's the reason we have Joe Biden as president now. Like, can he just, like, <laughs> calm down for a little bit? Like, he's already done enough for like the culture of our political system here.
0: Like, I'm still waiting for that collaboration with Clint Eastwood. I really, I really do think <laughs>
1: they do not get along. They have, don't. A, they have. And like, what's funny is that like, actually they probably have really similar politics, but like in their heads, they have opposite <laughs> politics. So it's like, it's like in their heads, they're like, wow, we're like right versus left. But like in all the rest of our heads, we're like, you're both centrist. like Just like shut up. <laughs> and off, you're you
0: know? both like, annoying everyone. But yeah. that's what I think would be so interesting about it is to see them like coming to terms with this. I think that would be great.
1: Yeah, but they um, wouldn't come to terms with it. Clint Eastwood is like 90 years old. I fucking watch Cry Macho over Christmas. You know what? We haven't recorded since Christmas. So we haven't yeah. talked about no. when my family was Like, we're gonna go pick up a movie from Redbox <laughs> to watch for our final night while you're in town. And I was like, I was okay. hoping to
0: get you to talk about it. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll be like...
1: here waiting. And they like left to pick up a movie from Redbox. And I put on like the 90s Serious XM channel and just like vibed on the couch, listening to like Matchbox 20 and stuff. And like, I was like, yeah, I'm having a great time. And they come home with like, we got a movie. And I'm like, oh, great. And they put it in its fucking cry macho. Um. <laughs> I was like, all right, we're going to do Cry Macho, a surprise movie. Um, okay, so me- what,
0: what did you think?
1: Well, first of all, not great. Like, it's just like, it is just like Clint Eastwood spewing his politics onto reality. Like, it's always just Clint Eastwood being like, how can I talk about my politics here? There's like an evil Mexican woman, and she's evil and Mexican. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> There's a kid escaping Mexico because Mexico is evil and the woman is evil and Mexican. Oh, and like, no. The kid, is, the kid is the Mexican's son. The kid is also Mexican. I want to be clear. So like
0: Everybody's Mexican.
1: I also want... Yes. So uh, most of this movie takes place in Mexico. Um, and so Clint Eastwood also falls in love with the Mexican woman. There are also good Mexican characters in this movie. It's not like everybody who's Mexican is bad. It's just like the, the basic plot of the movie is like this kid is the the son of a Mexican woman and a man who's a U.S. politician or corporate something, you know, like somebody high powered in the U.S. It's really embarrassing that in my mind, I can't tell if somebody's high powered because they're a lawmaker or somebody who is a CEO of a business. Um, but mm-hmm. that's the USA for you. Um, so... Anyway, he's like he's tasked Clint Eastwood with going to get this kid out of Mexico because he wants to raise his his son and he's like my the baby the the son's mother is not good. Um the son's mother is not good, I will admit that, but it is questionable that the plot of the movie is like US politician versus evil Mexican lady. It's like <laughs> all right, well, true, you know, true. You know, um maybe. Um Skechible. and so Yes, and so, you know, he Clint Eastwood goes to get the son, and it's like, the, the plot of the movie is him just trying to get back across the border into the U.S. with the kid. And so, um, Macho is actually the name of a, of a chicken. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so, but sometimes Macho Macho cries. Sometimes Macho cries. Um, and I actually really I really liked elements of this movie. Like, I liked the element of like, that the, you know, a lot of the plot revolved around the kid having, like, a pet chicken that he wanted to get across the border with him, you know? Like, I liked that. I thought it was really good. I liked the plot element of Clint Eastwood, like, growing to like this Mexican boy with the the chicken. Like, you know, I, I liked these things. There are elements of it that I like. There are also just, like, so many moments where it's just, like, people talking in ways that are Clint Eastwood's politics. And it's like, just shut the fuck up. You know, it's the same way I feel about an Aaron Sorkin movie. I mean, it really is like the same fucking shit. It's like, but like the opposite end of the, well, not even the opposite. It's like two third. It's like a third of the, (laughs) like, it's like there, there's like a centerpiece. And then like Aaron Sorkin is like a third away from the center. And Clint Eastwood is a third away from the center, you know, like, (laughs) They're they're not neither of them are like like opposites. They're not like fully away from the center. But like they're like a little bit away from the center, but like on opposite sides of that center.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um
1: and so like like this movie is really like that. And so another thing is that like I just like can't tolerate it as much because like I'm not conservative at all like so you know i just like can't put up with movies that are like blatantly and like that's funny because like i actually can put up with a lot of movies that are conservative ideologically you know but like when they're blatant about it i'm like "Uh -uh, i can't do this this is too much for me um so you know clint eastwood movies are a bit much for me but like in this movie he's i mean it's his conservative ideology about how like mexico is like a lawless place i guess and i'm like you know, like, I don't, like, the, the U.S. is a lawless place if you're rich. Like, I don't really know what you, like, think the U.S. is. But, like, if you're rich in the United States of America, you can do whatever you want. Because all you have to do is pay a fine. So.
0: Lawless in a more uh, fun way, so to speak.
1: Yeah. As long as you can pay the fine, nobody gives a shit in the U.S. So, what what the fuck is your point, Clint? Um So, like, but, like, you know, he's trying to get this kid across the border. And there's, like, shootings, stuff like that. Um. But also Clint Eastwood's acting is just like suspect because he's like ninety years old, and he's trying to act as like a bodyguard at ninety years old. I'm sorry, <laughs> it's not. It's really becoming unbelievable. At a certain I point. do like.
0: I do think it's amazing how like completely willing he is to keep casting himself in like these tough guy roles. We were watching
1: this movie, and my pawpaw was like, "This movie sucks," and my mom, my mom was like, "I'm kind of enjoying this movie." and Papa was like no this movie's bad and my mom was like you don't like this movie because he's just like not good at being a tough guy anymore and i was like wait hold on like that's the, the point of the movie a, is that he's still a tough guy so it's like
0: a perfectly good reason not to like
1: it. yeah because like he's casting himself as a tough guy um but i did love that like my mom was like no i like this movie because it's like kind of like a romance like it like like it's really like it's really about clint eastwood falling in love with this mexican woman and like there's like a lot of like like they speak in Spanish for a lot of the movie, you know, like, like, I, I think it shows, first of all, I do think it shows that Clint Eastwood is not like a crazy, like build the wall Republican. I will say yeah. that, you know, good yeah, for him. Yeah. Like, we, we've
0: def- um, I definitely feel like we've established that over the last five or six years. No, I,
1: I think we have, but I think, I think Clint Eastwood really felt the need to show that. And, um, I get why. Um, so like I, I do think it's important and I do think that this movie like correctly established that he's sort of like there is good down in Mexico but there's also like a lot of like this movie being like Mexico is like lawless and crazy and I'm like but like the US is also lawless and crazy so what's your point man like mm. the US is like a fucking nightmare in terms of the legal system like our main court is just like political pundits on fucking OAN or MSNBC. Like, I don't know what your point is. Like, none of Like, there's no law here in the United States either. So, what? Like, <laughs> not in any real sense, because, like, at any given time, the law is subject to change by politically motivated losers. So... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, you know, whatever. But, like, I, it was just, like, an interesting... Clint Eastwood's movies are always an interesting experiment because I, I I think that Clint Eastwood and Aaron Sorgan sort of operate from a similar mindset of like what they think America is. And like, neither of them have like sort of moved beyond like the early nineties, you know? Um,
0: Yes. That that's the weirdest part is that they're both kind of like stuck in this certain period of America for themselves. And they, they they're kind of reacting to everything that's happened around them, but they're not, adapting to it
1: yeah unfortunately we also currently have two key senators on the democratic side who also still appear to be stuck in the early 90s Um,
0: (laughs) well yeah but maybe
1: maybe clint and aaron aren't so wrong because they know that our politics are controlled by people who still live in that era so
0: politicians yeah you're always going to run into that problem but we can hold our filmmakers to a higher standard
1: yeah you i I just think that like we should be able to expect our filmmakers to understand that like not like these things are not the like neither of them seem to really get how things currently are anymore they just like make things about the way they think things are and the way things were like they both operate from a position of the way things were like ten twenty thirty years ago you know like and it's just like it's exhausting to watch every time because it's like things aren't like that anymore, and it's like. <sighs> Like, I don't want to judge them. I, I don't know. Like, I get it. Like, I also wish politics were still like the West Wing, where, like, if you did the right thing, like, you know, that was enough. Um, Unfortunately, if you do the right thing re- now. The
0: other side would respect you for it if you did the yeah. right thing.
1: Yeah. Now, if you do the right thing, the other side will find a way to make it wrong, even if it was the right thing. And that, that really does go for both sides. Like, I don't really like both sides as them, but, like, the left is really good at, like, think about Sonia fucking Sotomayor saying a hundred thousand kids are in the fucking ICU right now with COVID. Like, that's not true. That's a lie. Like, I don't know why you (laughs) said that in a Supreme court argument. And like, you know, like both sides are capable of saying shitty things just in service of their, their ideology. Mm -hmm. One side is distinctly more capable of doing it at every single turn for every single issue. And that's, I don't think anybody can disagree with that unless they are on that side. Um, but like, you know, like, you know, it, it's just like, we should all like re, re acknowledge the reality we're in now. Like nobody is like, there's no, like if you do the right thing, you're going to get reelected now. It's like, if you do the right thing, the other side is going to say, wow, you don't care about X, Y, Z. And it will be like, what? That has nothing to do with what I did. <laughs> um, you know, like, it's just, and that's like all the time now, like, you know, Joe Biden can say something as innocuous as like, everybody should wear a mask and somebody will say, wow, you don't care. Or Joe Biden will say you should get a vaccine and somebody will say, wow, you don't care about people who can't get a vaccine because wow. they have cancer. And I'm like, just what? like
0: the fascist left to say we should get a vaccine.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's like a ridiculous reality that we live in now. Like, and like we have to watch these movies where people are like, if you do the right thing, you'll be fine. I'm like, that's not true anymore. It's not true. And you know what? It's all because of fucking Newt Gingrich. So if we could all just like go back in time and stop Newt Gingrich, <laughs> I would be much happier right
0: now. Yeah. So many all things right.
1: would be different if Newt Gingrich hadn't done what Newt Gingrich had done.
0: He's um, he's definitely a character that does not get highlighted nearly enough for how much damage he did to this He's country
1: so much damage to the country i mean dick cheney did a lot but i don't think dick cheney could have done enough if newt gingrich hadn't done what he'd done already so
0: you know anyway let's to close out this evening why don't we talk about don't look up i fucking hated it i
1: hated <laughs> it i despised it so I, much
0: i know you did and yeah. i've seen your letterbox review of this. oh yeah okay yeah. um, um <laughs> This is interesting. Like, I, I really do feel like Adam McKay for us is like one of the biggest, one of the most divisive issues. It is. Because so,
1: remember Vice? Yeah, I remember <laughs> Vice. <laughs> I, I remember was
0: our okay. Vice episode. <laughs> Vice episode. <laughs> Probably the most contentious one we've done. So I did not love this movie, but, and I did think that it severely outstayed its welcome. Uh, but other than that, I thought it was mostly fine. I thought it was like pretty funny and like all the acting was pretty good. It was very on the nose. It was very like, I'm going to beat you over the head with the message of this movie, but it was mostly enjoyable. And there was only one like severely Adam McKay moment where they're like, we're going to literally explain something to you right now. Like this is a slideshow.
1: Let me explain you a thing. Um, (laughs) I thought the whole movie was let me explain your thing But yeah, keep going Uh,
0: No, 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 let's hear what you have to say
1: I just, I just, like, so much of fucking don't Like, first of all, my biggest problem with this movie And, like, it's just not fucking funny Like, and there are so many times where you're, like, clearly supposed to laugh And I'm like, this isn't funny because I saw this joke, like, two years ago on Twitter Like, right.
0: No, this like, do, A lot of this does feel like Twitter from like 2020. And like,
1: I, I really think that if, if like COVID hadn't happened, this movie maybe would have held up a little better. Like, right. but it's like no yeah. amount of no, like no part of this movie held up because like, we've seen the way the U S reacts to a crisis. We've seen the way the world reacts to it. Like, like, it just didn't work because like none of the jokes, lame because it's like, we've lived through this and it's not funny right now. Cause like, we're like currently stuck in this shithole. hole. Like,
0: that's true. Like I thought that like part of what was interesting about this movie was that like, so the, the metaphor about this is actually about climate change,
1: right? It's but- not actually a COVID movie, but like it is deeply like watching it post COVID or during COVID has, it has an impact on how you view this movie.
0: But it's interesting that like – so in this movie, the danger – so the movie is about scientists who discover that a comet is going to hit Earth in like three months. And they have to like try to warn everyone while people downplay the danger and like try to politicize it and like goof around and shit. But what's, what's very interesting about this is that um, – so climate change, you know, if you believe that climate change is real, which I do. And so I don't this don't many people says, listen to
1: us if they most know, people, because but, we're not
0: we're not subtle about
1: our political. But if you behavior. believe that climate
0: change is real, you still believe that it's like it's a long-term thing, like this is going to have effects over decades or whatever. The comet in this movie is going to hit you in like 3 months. So it's like the idea behind this satire is like it's making the threat more immediate, more extreme, like everyone's going to die immediately in 3 months. And that's the way that it makes, it shows you how absurd the situation is. But now we've had COVID hit and it's like the threat is very immediate. It's happening right now. Like people Mm -hmm. are dying and it's not going to be a whole planet wipeout, but someone, you know, might die and it might be completely out of your control. And that is that it's just, it's so interesting to see a movie like this, like with the perspective of having gone through COVID and it's like, well, yeah, this is kind of accurate, but like it almost doesn't go far enough in terms of it doesn't how, go far enough at all. How far people are willing to go to ignore it?
1: Right. It needed to be much, and like there are moments where it goes far enough, but like a lot of it is just like not, and like it, it's not totally the movie's fault, right? Like it's not totally the movie's fault that like things got so bad and just like vast swaths of people decided not to care, you know? Um, yeah. But they could have, like, been, like, maybe shouldn't release this right now, like, in the middle of all of this.
0: Um, well, they filmed most of this during COVID. So exactly. They, you know, they could have had a chance to rewrite if they wanted to.
1: Right. And, like, I mean, and that really is, like, and like, I think, like, another problem is that, like, a lot of political satire, and Vice suffered from this, too, like, These movies just haven't really figured out how to to navigate in a world where, like, political satire happens on the daily on social media. Like, I don't... Like, most jokes about, like, climate change or COVID or politics, they happen on Twitter right away. Like, and, like, I laugh at them. And then, like, this movie is trying to make jokes that are, like, up the same alley. And I'm like, all right, well, I saw that joke seven months ago. So, (laughs) like... I don't know what you want me to to laugh about at that. Like, I think that's yeah. another problem here is that like a lot of satire hasn't really like figured out how to cope with the fact that like, like all these jokes are being made every single day already for a lot of us. Like, right.
0: and it's immediate know. versus like having to come out with a whole movie.
1: Right. And like, the like the joke that like politicians just don't care because they just want to make money. Like that's not a funny joke right now because like we actually see it in action. Right like every single day, like the CDC just put out guidance at like, well, you know, like you need to stay home, but then like, you should go to work. So like, like, you know, we see this literally from government agencies every single day. It's not, it's not funny to watch the guy, like a satire. That's like, Oh, it's fine. We just want to make money. So whatever happens to you, whatever, like, it's like, no, we're watching it happen in real time. We know like, yeah, yeah we're living it. Um, and so it's just like it's not I don't know like there's just like a feeling of like my ivory tower I get to make fun of this with Adam with this Adam McKay poking fun at this like he'd be on the ship out of the you like out of the com- out of the planet. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Like, yeah. He He'd be the person going to get killed planet. by the weird kangaroo monster. Like I don't know <laughs> like it, it's just like it's not it's not really funny when it's like and like, I get it. It's not, it's not really his fault that like, it's like hard to not roll your eyes at a satire from him. Like, cause it's like anybody who satires reaching me on like Netflix is probably somebody who I would roll my eyes at. Cause I'm like, you're not the person that needs to be satirized here. Like, you know, you're either not the political, cl- like you're not the political class. And also you're not the person who's going to be most fucked over by whatever happens. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I am, you're not. So, you know, there's a huge difference here. Um, but then, I think the biggest thing is that it doesn't help that it's Adam McKay, and that he gets so fucking defensive about his shit. Like,
0: and... Well, yeah, the 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 whole after release of this movie and was I, like, very really, interesting. I try
1: really hard not to care about celebrities talking about their own work, and, like, all of that shit, but, like... God knows that, like, if you're going to make a satire about politics and about the way the political system is impacting everyday humans in the face of a crisis, if you're going to then talk about it afterwards, you better say something, like, reasonable. Instead, he's just, like, being like, I guess you just don't care about climate change. (laughs) Fuck off. Like, of course (laughs) I care. I live in fucking New York City. My city's going to be underwater. I fucking care. Like... What? Yeah.
0: no, that whole bit was hilarious. Like, and he's still, I think, doubling down on that. Uh, like, just like saying that, like, people who didn't understand the movie, they like didn't, don't care about climate change or don't understand, don't yeah, know enough about it. Adam right.
1: McKay is like a crazy neoliberal fucking Pete Buttigieg ass, like <laughs> out here, just like. And well, I guess you just don't care. Like, I do care. I fucking care. I just think your movie fucking sucks, Adam. Like, yeah. And I've thought your movie sucks since fucking, fucking. What was Anchorman? Like, I didn't like Anchorman. I didn't like. You didn't like
0: Anchorman? I have, oh, come on.
1: So I will fully admit I don't like any Adam McKay movies. Like, like I and like you read my you read my letterbox review. No, Ricky I, Bobby. I didn't like his like. Okay, I really didn't like that movie. I think that movie's low key homophobic. Um,
0: well, so, it could be. Yeah. Um, it came out in like two thousand. That's,
1: that's not an excuse. That's not you weren't I'm homophobic like, in two thousand. I mean, I didn't know you, but I know you not, weren't. You know, like I'm
0: not giving it an excuse. I'm just saying that the country was very different there in terms of what was allowed on in a mainstream. Yeah, film. but you
1: don't have like to make a
0: homophobic movie.
1: Like you, you don't to make a gay character who was vaguely homophobic like he didn't have to do that just because, like... the, just because the country was homophobic he didn't have to put a gay character he didn't have to put a gay character in the movie at all
0: like well that's um, true
1: that's true but um, well, you didn't
0: like Step Brothers or the other guys
1: i really so the other guys is good the other guys is the good one
0: i do i like feel like that that's one. that's the one that's unimpeachable yeah. like
1: yeah that one is good um but I didn't really like Step Brothers, and I don't like Anchorman. Um, so, but I will oh, admit that I don't like Anchorman and Step Brother. I don't like Will Ferrell very much. So, you know, it, it's hard for me to like those Ooh. movies because I don't like Will Ferrell.
0: Another another schism in our podcast yeah. here. My
1: my Will Ferrell love is basically Elf, and that's it. Like that's like
0: the oh, one that's funny because that's like my least favorite thing. Yeah, he's done.
1: yeah, um, and that, that's usually what I meet when I say to people that I like one welfare movie in itself is people saying i that's the one i don't like um like i just like it because it's like a silly christmas movie um um yeah it's just like he's a bit much um and adam yeah i don't know Uh, but those movies are at least like they're not my sense of humor but i don't think they're bad if that makes sense like like they're not like like they're not the kind of humor that i'm gonna laugh at but like they're, like, like they're good at what they're trying to do. And if you like that sense of humor, they're going to work for you. And I appreciate that. Um, his Adam McKay's recent turn towards, like, needing to do, like, political humor, which isn't to say that, like... Like, I do think, like, Anchorman... And I haven't seen Brothers or don't remember it well enough to really comment on that. But Anchorman and Talladega Nights both actually do have political slants to them. Like, you know, it's not, like, about things that are talked about in politics, but they are like about issues that are
0: politically Yeah, relevant. they have political ideas in that, and the other guys does have like... The other guys of, it's, does, yeah. It's sort of like a, a goofy uh, Chinatown or something. Yes, that There's exact, like yeah, a agreed, conspiracy yeah. at place right. that's political in nature. But,
1: but like this, I, this these ones where he needs to talk about things that are like explicitly political it's not working. Like there's like a smugness to it that I don't like. Like there's like a and, like, I mean, I felt this way with Vice, where it was like, oh, I'm better than you because I can see what Dick Cheney really was. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, we all know Dick Cheney sucks ass. Like, what are you talking about? Like, that's like, true. And, yeah. like, it's the same with, like, don't look up now. It's like, see, like, I'm the only one who cares about climate change. It's like, we're all fucking screaming about it just because. 100 senators aren't screaming about it. Doesn't mean the rest of us aren't fucking upset about it.
0: Like we all are like, well, I do. I do find that my enjoyment of the Anna McKay movies and like, especially like this one has to do with like being able to tune out a certain amount of the smugness. Uh, It's definitely there. And if you can't ignore it, then you're definitely not going to like the movies i'm like i'm like okay you know i agree with you mostly i'm willing to look past the fact that you're being a dick about this um and just try to find the parts that are funny um no, but, but yeah like, I, I definitely I, I, get I, why I agree with you. you wouldn't like, like this
1: i agree with him on so many issues that's a thing like it's annoying because like i do agree with like what the obvious philosophy of don't look up it's like I agree that climate change is an urgent concern. I agree with the fact that our political leaders are not doing shit to address it. I agree with the fact that a lot of rich people will let us all fucking die if it means they can make money off of it. You know, like, Oh yeah. All of that. 100% agree with, I disagree with his idea that like, I hate his idea that like, he's the only one who's thinking about this. And that like, if you don't like the movie, you must not care. And oh, I, yeah. you know, like I, I don't appreciate that. And I think well, that
0: is comments after the movie came out really kind of sour you on them. Like,
1: but I think that matters because I think those, the, those comments, the way he feels when he's making those comments does come through in the movie. Like, yeah, yeah, no, you know, I,
0: I absolutely believe that. That's yep. true.
1: And so it's just like, it's fucking exhausting watching these movies from Adam McKay. I wish I'd like, and it's so annoying because it's like, you have the right ideas. You're just so full of yourself when you present them again. It's like Aaron Sorkin and Clint Eastwood. It's just like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, can you not just make a movie that's like, has a, and like so many movies have political ideologies and don't fucking suck ass about them, you know? Yeah. But these movies like, Oh God, it's just like, shut up. Um, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. And then we had to fucking watch Ariana Grande sing a song. I don't care. She's not going to like, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ.
0: Uh, Ariana Grande was like pretty misused in this movie. I think like, yeah, I didn't think her parts are really that interesting or fun. I did like, you know, Leo was great in this. Leo's Jennifer great. Lawrence was great in this. Yeah, how
1: great was it seeing J-Law in a movie again? That was great. Oh, amazing. It's been amazing. a while,
0: you know? This was a great return for her. She had like a great wide range of emotions in this, like just being like super pissed off, and then eventually just like sort of resigned to everything, just like whatever. I don't give a fuck. Like (laughs) we're all gonna die. Uh, I love that. I loved like Timothy Chalamet's little bit part in this, and then like her and Jennifer, like him him and Jennifer Lawrence's character getting together through the like just their general apathy over the whole situation. Um they, they were a number of like fun side characters in this. But yeah, no, I I, I get a lot of the criticism. I just generally had like kind of a fun time watching it. It's it's the sort of movie for me where I'm just like You know, I'm not going to think too deeply about this. I'm just going to like watch it, laugh a few times and then like put it. But my biggest complaint was that it was over two hours long and I felt like it could have easily been at least half an hour shorter. And a big part of that was the fact that the movie feels the need to berate its point so much and that it really would have been better served by being a lot shorter.
1: Yep. It definitely would have. I mean, yeah. I mean, so much of this movie didn't have anything new to say after the first, like, 30 minutes. Like, it was just sort of like, we know. We know. Nobody cares. We know. We know. The people aren't going to do anything about the the impending meteor crash. Yeah, we know. Yep. We know. That was just, like, <laughs> my experience of watching this. It was just, like, me being like, all right. Yeah. Lived through this already.
0: Nice. Actually, a we're, couple
1: of times at this point. We
0: already know we're all doomed. That's just where we're at now.
1: And it's just like, if we don't... You know, we can, like, take, like, a bazillion actions when there's a plane crash by some brown people from across the ocean. <laughs> Fucking a meteor. We can't do shit about it. Um This is... I mean, honestly, I think he's right. If there was a meteor coming, I don't know that we would do anything about it. But, well, I think it depends on the president in office. I, think, I don't think sp- Donald... I don't think Donald Trump would have done anything about it. Joe well, Biden if, has his flaws, but I think he would act on a if a if, if it.
0: The thing is, if like in this movie, the meteor contained a lot of valuable metals to industry, you definitely would see like people like the the shitty CEO. Like Jeff Bezos stand in in this movie, coming in and influencing people, try to be like, yo, we can totally harvest this meteor and use it to build cell phones.
1: For right, who? So when everybody's dead. Who are you going to build cell phones for, you fucking loser?
0: That's what, like, that was the part I found like the most believable. This is like, yeah, like, right now we're being told, like, oh, yes, we should have to sacrifice millions of people to save the economy, which will be around for nobody when we're all dead. Right.
1: I mean, (laughs) that's what's happening now. So, I mean, I totally believe it because we're currently living through a situation where we're like, we should just like let people die in service of the economy. Um, so why not? Um, yeah. So uh, on that, is just a, an upsetting experience for me. Yeah. I just, I want at like, I think my biggest problem with Adam McKay movies are that like, I see things that I could like in them, but he has like an mm-hmm. attitude that I don't like. And it comes through in all of his movies. And I just wish he would drop it, you know?
0: Yeah. If he could, yeah. I
1: would probably have a much better time.
0: I think if he could just take a brief ego check, he could really improve his filmmaking. Yeah. But but he can't, you know. because
1: as we've seen, when people negatively criticize his movie, he acts like they all hate the concept of climate change and don't believe in it. So... No.
0: Well, we'll see. Um, any anything else that you want to comment on before we close out? Uh,
1: no, but go see Scream. Uh,
0: go, go see, go see Scream. Scream. Yeah, definitely see Scream. Um, I just want to mention before we end that I I got a VCR recently.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I'm so <laughs> I need to jealous. mention
0: this for for the fans that were are following along. So I got a, a projector previously, and now I have a VCR hooked up to the projector so I can watch VHS tapes in sizes that they were never intended to be seen in. Oh, yeah, wow. I recently watched part of um, uh, Reservoir Dogs this way. It was very interesting. So uh, I'm very excited to further explore things this way. Um, and I also wanted to mention before we close out that uh, Nicole Kidman has been made aware of the popularity of her AMC mm. uh, bumper, I loved that. I loved the that thing. interview. Um, and, and like including, yeah, they interviewed her and they included the they they told her the fact that people had printed it on T-shirts that they handed out the lines to people in the theater so they could read it along. Uh, they mentioned that people were specifically latching on to the line of um, somehow heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Somehow heartbreak
1: feels good in a place like this.
0: Yeah, yeah. And she really resonated with that. She said, I mean, talk about not feeling alone, sitting in a cinema with a broken heart, and then watching something that breaks your heart again. You go, I'm not alone. Please, this must not go away. We have to have cinema. And that." (sighs) really strikes at the heart of what we're doing here, what that's we our, want that's to accomplish our
1: thesis statement. That's it. Yeah. You
0: know? We need cinema and it's, it's there for you in times of struggle. That's what it's for. Wow. And yeah, until next time you can find us on all the major platforms. Give us a review on your favorite platform. If you like what we're doing, I think reviews are available on both. Apple and Spotify right now. Yeah. Reviews yeah. are available
1: on Spotify now. Mm-hmm. That's a thing. That's new, right? I feel like it's new. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah that was just introduced in the last couple of months. And um you can find us on Twitter at on Movies or email us at buzzonmovies at gmail and just let us know anything about what you're watching these days, your cinema experiences, how you're coping with the the effects that the pandemic is having on cinema going and anything you'd like to suggest for us to review in the future, because we're always looking for ideas. But until next time, we'll see you at the movies. We will see you at the movies.